Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. I don't have a co-host tonight because we have a special guest here uh, to help give us a little bit of perspective into Penn State's opponent this week, the three and five Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, despite the fact that the Hoosiers are three and five, I think I speak for everyone who likes Penn State when I say uh, I hate when Penn State plays Indiana with a passion. And a person who understands that from the other perspective uh, would be uh, my buddy Jacob Rude of the Locked On Hoosiers podcast, uh, noted fan of NBA Summer League. Jacob, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, it's it's a, a fun time for IU, but not because of the football team at all. Those uh, <laughs> those days are long gone of excitement there. We are fully in basketball mode, so I guess we have to play a football game on Saturday. But yeah, it, it's going well. It's a, it's a weird time for IU football right now. Isn't Indiana always in basketball mode and then every once in a while football throws like an extra thing? Because you, 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 have, you have your soccer teams. You have other things that you could do in the fall while you're waiting for basketball season to roll around, especially now that Mike Woodson's there and Trace Jackson Davis is good and the team is good as a whole. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> we, we thought we had some hope at the beginning of the season. It, it looked fun. I mean, I don't mean to immediately invoke the 2020 season, but I mean, that you that year just totally like broke IU fans because it's like, what do we do now? Like our football team was good that one time. Like, is this how it's always going to be? And the answer to that has been very clearly, no, that is not how it's always going to be. But uh, yeah, they, they might throw in a three and O start. That was the flukiest thing imaginable. And proceed to lose five games and have the worst timed bye week when it comes to uh, how much fans are going to care coming into this one. And uh, yeah, it's, it's always basketball season. Football is just kind of this uh, side thing to take your mind off of it until about halfway through the year when the wheels fall off and you can fully dive into, as you said, Mike Woodson and Trace Jackson Davis. So, you know, I did our, our little rundown and Something you said there is really interesting to me. And the first thing I want to talk about, like we usually do in these podcasts, just get kind of a general vibe check, a general sense of how things are going with the opposing team. And you mentioned that 2020 season, magical season for Indiana football. They come back last year, not quite able to build on it. So what has happened in the, uh, what, year, year and 10 months or whatever, since the end of that 2020 season that has put us in a situation now where, like you mentioned, Indiana fans at this point are just counting down the days until the start of basketball season. Yeah, it's, it's very complex. I'm not sh- There's not one kind of smoking bullet or one thing you can say, well, that happened. So it, it broke everything. Um, IU had some really good coordinators in that 2020 season. One of them's a head coach at Washington now uh, doing things up there with Michael Penix, who was obviously a a huge part of that 2020 season. Um, He battled through injuries at the end of that year. He was never right physically in 2021, ended up transferring away just Mentally, I think it was exhausting uh, just being in the same place where you've had four season-ending injuries. Um, IU fans have absolutely rooted for him. He's also in Washington, and um, mm-hmm. but he departs. And last year was a, a super 
weird year because IU entered with expectations, which isn't, that's not something IU football ever has immediately fell flat on their face against Iowa, which was an omen for the season. Uh, Tom Allen kind of alluded to uh, maybe guys not working as hard uh, once they had kind of Mm. gotten some success and let it go to their heads a little bit. And so things really spiraled. He mentioned that Iowa game, just the way it happened uh, last year. For those that don't remember, Iowa scored a, a huge run to start the game. Indiana's first offensive play was a pick six. It was like the first game Iowa had in front of fans because of COVID and, you know, forever. The place was rocking. IU was absolutely just thrown off. And he said that kind of snowballed the whole season. Some injuries didn't help to Penix and and then backup quarterback Jack Tuttle. Things went really bad. He cleaned house uh, in a lot of ways uh, in the offseason before this year. Uh, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, um, and a whole a lot of coaching changes. The entire offense was new with transfer players and and guys coming in as recruits and whatnot. And like I said, it seemed like, well, I don't even want to go that far. IU started three and zero. They were very very lucky to be three and zero, but they've regressed in a lot of ways since that start. Um, their schedule was wasn't the hardest. I mean, that Illinois game in hindsight actually is crazy that IU won that because Illinois is like actually good. (laughs) Um, And so they win that game, but uh, escape with some wins, but they've really just continued to take steps back since that point. And yeah, now they're facing, uh, they're three and five. The vibes are awful right now. And uh, heading into the bye week, it, it was... It was not great having lost to a really bad Rutgers team and the way they lost. Um, it wasn't great. So I, it, it's hard to get a feel for IU right now. They, they come out of the bye week, which traditionally they've been pretty good coming out of the bye week, but this isn't a team that has much going for it. They haven't had a win since middle of September. Um, it, it's uh, just, I, I kind of said it, but just bad vibes right now, really. Yeah, uh, like Jacob mentioned, the Hoosiers started the year with wins over Illinois, Idaho, and Western Kentucky with that Western Kentucky game coming in overtime. And then since then, at Cincinnati was a loss, at Nebraska was a loss, Michigan-Maryland losses, and then right before the bye, a 24-17 loss to Rutgers. And, you know, Jacob, before we start diving into this game specifically and, uh, you know, one side of the ball, the other side of the ball, all those sorts of things, I want to ask about Tom Allen specifically because I did not realize this is this is his sixth full season, the seventh if you want to include uh, the time he was the interim head coach uh, for a game or whatever as the head coach of the Hoosiers. I didn't like I just did not realize he's been around for as long as he has, and you look at the last couple of years. Two and ten with an zero and nine conference record, three and five with a one and four conference record. This year, uh, with the back half of the schedule not being especially kind to them, uh, and I think it's easy to say, "Well, look at what this guy has done for us lately." It's a very "What can you do for me lately?" sport here. Uh, I, I believe there was also a pay cut so he could help fire like his offensive coordinator or something like that. Like just a bit of a weird situation. But before that, 
five and seven, five and seven, his first two years. Okay, fine. And then eight and five and six and two with that six and two year ending with them as the number 12 team in the country. So what is kind of the status of Tom Allen is the kind of consensus among Indiana fans that listen, he's gotten us to a point that is, you know, basically unheard of for our program with what he did during the 2020 season. We have to give him time and enough of a chance to potentially do that again. Or is it starting to get a little bit, you know, I don't want to say the hot seat, but are fans starting to become a little bit uneasy over what they think they can accomplish with him? It's definitely the the latter. Uh, he's mm. he's starting to burn up a kind of a, a fair amount of the, the goodwill he built. Um, he, yeah, those first four full seasons the five and sevens are a little deceptive it, it it really felt like they were building something there and it led to that 2019 season where they go eight and five 2020 again obviously was uh the best year I, IU may ever have and like since uh in the 60s basically it was the best year IU ever had so um he was at the top of the mountain signs contract extensions and like um he was, it felt at that moment, like he was never going to be fired from IU last year was obviously worst case scenario in every sense going two and 10. Um, it seemed like he'd kind of righted the ship a little bit at the start of this year, but it's a lot of kind of small things uh, sprinkled all around right now. Like when I mentioned he cleaned house, um, with a lot of the, the coordinator or the, the coaching staff, you mentioned he took a pay cut to um, so that they could fire the offensive coordinator. It's kind of unclear if he had to do that or if the some believe that he just felt so bad about firing him that he took a pay cut for the school. I don't know. It was a really odd situation. But, yeah, he took a pay cut basically so that they could fire the offensive coordinator last year. Um, one of the only positions they didn't change was the offensive line coach despite the offensive line being terrible last year and kind of long story short, the offensive line was horrible. It was maybe even worse this year and he fired him in season. And it's just kind of things like that where um, maybe not adapting or changing as quickly as he should. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I, he's not going to be fired this year. Also, I mean, mainly because he has a $25 million buyout on his contract right now. Um, so he's not going to be fired this year, but kind of as things stand, if they continue trending this way, uh, next year very much could be a do or die year in terms of, mm. um, I don't, I wouldn't even know what the kind of benchmark would have to be, but these last two years haven't been great. I mean, if you just look back, I, I think one of the stats that kind of showed it the most, um, at the end of that 2020 regular season, IU went to Wisconsin, they won. It was kind of this seminal moment. Um, players were were running by as Tom Allen was doing this post-game interview and like yelling, I love you, coach, and like yelling, everybody come to IU. And it was kind of this banner moment for the program on – ESPN, like having all of this praise and whatnot. And IU, I think, was like seventh in the country after that. And like it was this great moment. Since that game, IU has five wins. Two of them are against Idaho and two of them are against Western Kentucky. So hmm. it's it's just not been 
they've taken multiple steps back since then. So um, he's in a lot of ways been afforded, I think, a good amount of of kind of goodwill and um, given the chance. But this this team doesn't it doesn't really feel right now like it's better than last year's team. Uh, He's he he struggled last year. He talked about during kind of the lead up to the season how honest he tried to be with himself and the team about not letting this happen again. And then it's happening again. So, um, and again, in a lot of ways that three and five records, even deceiving against like against Illinois, they only had 74 yards in the second half and then went on this 75 yard drive, basically as time expired to win it against Idaho. They were, they were losing at halftime and then had this crazy Mm. third quarter to, to basically win the game. Against Western Kentucky, they needed a missed field goal as time expired, and then they blocked a field goal in overtime to win that game. Um, so it, it it didn't even feel good when we were three and zero. And then you add on five losses in a row after that. I mean, some of the lot of losses have been brutal. Losing to Nebraska right after they fired Scott Frost. Um, that Rutgers game was ugly and not fun. And that loss really stung. So it's just been a kind of this string of really bad performances, really ugly losses, feeling like we're taking constant steps back that, um, like you said, it's not necessarily the hot seat right now and it won't be the rest of this season, but the seat's getting a little bit warmer. And we will dive into, uh, the players, the, what, what they do on both sides of the ball and talk about this game in a second. But first, uh, we got some bills to pay. And uh, Jacob, you uh, you heard this home field apparel thing? Yeah, I've heard one or two things about them, and largely good things. Largely good things. And that's actually a very good way to describe the pod sponsor, Home Field Apparel. If you are a premium college sports fan on the internet, obviously you know what they are. If you are not, though, Home Field Apparel, they are a collegiate apparel brand based out of lovely Indianapolis, India. How far is uh, how far is Indianapolis from Bloomington? About an hour, an hour and a half, depending on where you're where you're going. I have I have made that drive before, but it's been a minute. I, I haven't gotten out. I have to get back to Bloomington. I do love it out there, but neither here nor there. The shirts Home Field Apparel makes they are comfortable, they are unique, the designs are cool, they make you feel like you're a little bit closer to your school or any school. I I don't just have Penn State Home Field Apparel gear. In my uh, in my collection, I own a Hawaii Rainbow Warriors T-shirt because it's just a really cool design. I own a pair of St. Peter's basketball joggers because St. Peter's wanted that really cool run to the Final Four. Home Field Apparel does an awesome job with every school that they do, including Penn State. They launched their Penn State collection a little bit earlier this year. There are 15 bits of apparel in the collection in all. And if you are a new customer and you want to get your hands on some of this Penn State merch, you can use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase to get 15% off of your first order. Again, for new customers, use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase for 15% off of your first order. Thank you very much to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring this podcast. I hope my football team beats your football team this weekend, Connor. Now, let's get to the... the Next part of this podcast, which is breaking down Indiana on both sides of the football, Jacob. And on offense, this is such a weird team because Indiana's pace and the tempo that they want to play at and the number of plays they want to run are among the best in the country. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that the reason Indiana 
does that is because they really don't have anything else on the offensive side of the football that they can lean on other than hope going fast gets the opponent on their heels and makes life difficult for them. Is that a fair read on it, or am I being a little unfair to them? I mean, you're not wrong in that we don't have anything else. I don't know if that's necessarily why they're doing it. Mm. Um, I just think this is kind of what Walt Bell wants to do. Uh, because it's not really a team built to play fast either. That's kind of been one of the problems um, this team has is uh, they they bring in this scheme to just play at lightning speed, but they don't have any kind of speed on the edge to or in terms of wide receivers to get separation. Um, they don't have a, a good offensive line, as I said earlier. To the, it really hampers you doing any kind of scheme when your offensive line is as bad as I use is. And uh, they just don't really have a team built for the play style. I I think it's what Walt Bell wants to do. And he's just kind of forcing a square peg into a round hole with a lot of these uh, IU players offensively. And it's been an adventure when it works. It looks amazing. And we might Mm -hmm. get one, two, three drives. If we're lucky a game where it's just like, Boom, 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 touchdown. Uh, But when it hasn't worked, it's been awful. And the thing that makes it a little extra tricky heading into the Penn State game is that the thing that Indiana has done for much of this season is they throw the football. They are second nationally in pass attempts per game behind only Texas Tech. And Jacob, correct me if I'm – well, let me me kind of know why that is the case. Is it because – that's the thing that they are best at because they trust their quarterback and pass catchers. They don't trust their running game. Or is it the like not great answer, which is that when you are behind in football games, you have to throw the ball more. Oh no. Well, I mean, we have had to throw the ball a lot, but that's what we kind of prefer to do. Uh, Mm. I I think again, I don't want every answer to be our offensive line is bad, but uh, when you can't run block, like you have to throw the ball. And especially in the last two or three weeks, um, it's been a lot more of kind of screen passes, bubble screens out to, to wide receivers and uh, quick little passes like that to kind of supplement the run game. When you, when you don't have one, you try to put three wide receivers out wide, throw to the one behind them and Hope the other two wide receivers can get enough of a block to pick up four, five, six yards. And uh, it's been a lot of that, especially in recent weeks. And um, I would venture to say I I haven't specifically looked at this. I can pull it up right now. But Connor Bazelak's attempts have probably been, uh, well, they've been in the, the high 40s the last few weeks. I mean, it peaked at 66 against Cincinnati, which was absurd. We were playing from behind that whole game. That was why that one was so much, but no, I mean, we've thrown the ball even from the very first game, 52 times against Illinois. And we led most of that game. So it's just kind of been Mm. what the offense has wanted to do. We have some talented running backs, but a lot of times we use them as pass catchers out of the backfield more than anything too. So um, we've tried to run the ball. We're just not very good at it. So the result has been, we need to throw the ball to really gain any yards offensively. And uh, one thing I didn't mention, uh, Indiana comes into this game, like you said, 3-5 and five overall, but 85th uh, 
uh, in SP plus 82nd in offensive SP plus their big 10 ranks. They are 11th in total yards, fourth in passing yards, last in rushing yards and 11th in scoring yards. And Jacob, when I read those numbers off, uh, the thing that sticks out is they are able to get yards in the passing game. And you mentioned that they are uh, getting those yards, you know, basically on pretty crazy volume. They have thrown the ball 380 times this year and ran it 234 times this year. Uh, can you let us know a little bit more about Connor Basilak, what he does well, where he struggles, and then his group of pass catchers, which uh, if memory serves their top pass catcher, coming into this game is was just ruled out for the season. Yeah, well, here's your little uh, twist in all this, is that Connor Bazelak might not be the starter on Saturday. Mm. Um, on Monday's press conference, uh, out of the bye week, really there was no indication prior. Uh, Tom Allen kind of made this one of the vague head coaching statements about that, that seemed to indicate that Bazelak might be the starter, and he was asked about it at the end of the press conference. Is Bazelak going to be the starter on Saturday? And he said, you'll have to watch a game on Saturday to find out. Um, they're, they're like – what Bazelak has been has been kind of bang average, maybe even a little above average uh, in terms of when he has time to throw the ball. Um, I can't <laughs> – he's thrown the ball so much, I can't imagine his shoulder feels particularly great – this season, he 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 actually talked about it. He has to his kind of treatment routine throughout the week to be able to throw the ball as much as he has, because outside of the Iowa game where he only threw 29 times, um, he's thrown at least 40 times every game and he's cleared 50 attempts in three games. So um, mm. he's been again, just I mean, average, slightly above average. Um, he doesn't necessarily have a big arm. He's pretty, I mean, I, I say this, he has a 54% completion percentage. I don't think he's inaccurate necessarily. A good fair amount of those per game, maybe a half dozen or more, are him having to throw the ball away while running for his life behind the line of scrimmage. Mm. And so I don't think he's necessarily inaccurate, um, but he hasn't necessarily been trending upwards as the season has gone along, which might have led to some of the questions the guy <laughs> to to just add, add further confusion i use top or like backup quarterback jack tuttle who played in last year's game has entered the transfer portal like it, it's that situation mm. where he's technically the backup but he wants to use his sixth year of eligibility elsewhere so he's probably not even going to be the guy that they would turn to it would be dexter williams who has not taken a snap in college football um, so he's a dual threat quarterback that can run and pass. And that's about all we really have on him. He, he played really well in fall camp and there was a lot of buzz about him there, but Bazelak had won the job pretty clearly and looked fine uh, through the first few weeks. But once big 10 play has started, um, he struggled. I chalk a lot of it up to the, the offensive line and how much he's under pressure. He isn't in entirely different quarterback when he's under pressure versus not you're probably going to see the stat on the broadcast on Saturday they brought it up the last couple games non-stop when he's not pressured he's a really good quarterback when he's pressured he is just awful and I, I can't really blame him because when he's pressured it's usually two three four guys 
in the backfield. Uh, but yeah, adding on to all that uncertainty is that IU lost its starting wide receiver, Cam, uh, Cam Camper, excuse me, number one wide receiver. He was playing, I think, at a maybe an all Big Ten level. Uh, he'd missed a game or two, but he was at 569 yards on 46 catches. Um, torn ACL. I think it was something that happened in practice. It wasn't, he didn't leave the Rutgers game injured. Um, so there's uncertainty there. Um, DJ Matthews in theory has kind of been the, the slot guy and the, the next best guy at times, but he's been injured as well and kind of limped his way through a couple games. He should be back healthy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a healthier dose of him. Uh, Emory Simmons has been the number two wide receiver. Um, the problem with a, a lot of these receivers is they're all brand new. Cam Camper wasn't here last year. Emory Simmons wasn't. Anderson Kobe is probably going to be the guy that steps in Cam Camper's place. He's a transfer from Tennessee. Um, Emory Simmons is a transfer from North Carolina. Cam Camper is a transfer from Trinity Valley Community College. Um, Sean Shivers is going to be featured a healthy amount out of the backfield. He's a transfer from Auburn. Josh Henderson is third on the team in receiving yards as a running back. He's a transfer from North Carolina. All these guys transferred in this season. So it's wild how much uncertainty there's, there was coming into the season. Um, the other name probably worth mentioning is Donovan McCauley, who, I may have to, or I, I, I'd have to look back. I don't know if he played against you guys last year. He was the highest rated quarterback recruit ever um, to come to, to Bloomington, to IU. Played about half the season last year. Um, he did not play against, oh, Penix, that was it. Last year was when Penix got hurt. So uh, he did not play against you guys last year. Um, but he did play, it was about a game or two after that is when he started playing. Um, and he was all right. He played as a true freshman. You saw the promise. He probably would have had a, a pretty decent shot at, at winning out the job this year, but he switched to wide receiver. He went to the coaching staff and said, I want to play wide receiver. They went with it and he hasn't done a whole lot this season. Um, he might be a guy that they feature more coming out of a bye week with an injury to the number one guy. Um, he may be featured more, but it's been a, a group, uh, a receiving group that's kind of done it by committee. Just a lot of guys within like 100 to 200 yards, basically. So there's a lot of names that are going to be called on Saturday, but. I'm not, I'm not certain who's going to be throwing the ball. I don't entirely know who's going to be catching them in what positions with Cam Camper's injury. There is, it's a mess of a, of a situation right now, offensively. Yeah. You're, you're just hoping for literally anyone to be able to kind of be the guy. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's been different guys throughout the season that have stepped up at, at different times, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I couldn't tell you right now if you wanted me to like pinpoint who's going to be the the top receiver coming into this game. I earnestly don't know that I could tell you because there's just it was Cam Camper and everybody else. And he was such a huge safety valve for this team that there's going to be a notable step backwards. Um, and now with with him out, uh, I'm not certain. I would guess Emory Simmons will probably be the number one guy. After that, I'm really not certain what the rest of the, the receiving core is going to look like. 
Yeah, and then you've you've basically measured what the problem is with the rushing game of the offensive line. But just to really hammer this home, I'm going to read the top rusher that Indiana has had in each of its last four games. Uh, no, we'll go each every in, in Big Ten games. Uh, against Illinois, it was uh, Sean Shivers with 28 yards. Against Nebraska, it was Jalen Lucas with 39. Against Michigan, it was Jalen Lucas with 45. Against Maryland, it was Sean Shivers with 32. Uh, and against Rutgers, it was Josh Henderson with 31. It seems like we have ourselves a big old case of Penn State's running game from last year <laughs> uh, over in Bloomington. But uh, we will we will move to... What you would think would be the slightly more optimistic topic, uh, and Indiana is 77th in defensive SP+, plus, but 12th in, to- in the Big Ten in total uh, yards allowed per game, 12th in passing yards allowed per game, 11th in rushing yards allowed per game, and 13th in points allowed per game. And Jacob, when you think of Tom Allen, you think of a guy who knows how to coach up a team on the defensive side of the football. He is uh, his new uh, defensive coordinator in there, Chad Wilt. But, uh, like, what's up with Indiana's defense? Because, again, when you think of Tom Allen, you think of a guy who knows how to coach up a defense and maybe more importantly get his guys on defense to play with their hair on fire. Yeah, and to make matters even more confounding is that Tom Allen is – calling plays on the defensive side of the ball this year too Mm. he uh he took that over he hired a new defensive coordinator but said i'm calling the plays um he basically said the buck stops with him he didn't like how they played last year he wanted to take control and yeah as you said when he first got here as a defensive coordinator it was incredible the turnaround he made in those first handful of seasons leading up to and including 2020 the defense was one of the best in the big 10 at times, one of the best in the country. Um, So there was a lot of optimism coming into the year that Tom Allen's taken over again. Like at least we'll be able to rely on that. There was a lot of talent on this defensive side of the ball, but boy, have they woefully underperformed. Um, It's been a mixture of just kind of general underperformance um, injury to Cam Jones, who, was playing as one of the best linebackers in the Big Ten um, up to, I believe, the Nebraska game. He injured his foot, finished the game, but um, he's been out since. He's not going to play on Saturday. Uh, and then it, the really bad problem with this offense that Indiana is running is that there's been multiple instances where – IU's defense gives up a 12, 13, 14 play drive where they're on the field for a long time. And ideally you want to go to the sideline. The offense has a bit of a drive and then the defense can catch its breath. But IU plays so fast and is, I mean, frankly, so bad offensively that it's three incomplete passes, 15 seconds ran off the clock and the defense has to go right back out there. It's reckless. Yeah, exactly. And so, a lot of times by the end of games, the defense is just flat out exhausted and they're not, they don't have the depth that a Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan might have to cycle through players and try to keep guys fresh. And so a lot of times IU will be in games until midway through the third, fourth quarter. Uh, if you look at that Michigan game, they were leading at halftime. I believe um, we were in the game 
for most of it. And then uh, Michigan just started pulling away and we couldn't keep up. It was 10, 10 at halftime. Um, and Michigan scored three unanswered touchdowns in the second half because we just wore down and, and couldn't keep up with them. So that's been a big problem. I, you just, they do not care about time of possession in any way. You're going to dominate it on Saturday. And so it's a double-edged sword where the offense isn't good enough to play this system. And then you're wearing down the defense at the same time. Um, But that's, like I said, that's not been the only problem. This team, this defense was, has underperformed for most of the year. Their best game was probably against Illinois in the very first game. It looked like a Tom Allen defense. They're flying all over the place. They force uh, four turnovers. They were making huge plays, and they just haven't done that since. Some of it has been kind of weird scheme choices. That Cincinnati game, uh, Tom Allen made a point to try to take away the run game and kind of put his secondary on an island, and they just got burned repeatedly in the first half, and they gave up. Uh, I think 28 or 35 points in the first half. IU actually cut it down and made a comeback in the second half, but it was too big of a hole. And so it's just been kind of odd moments like that. But bottom line, the defense just hasn't played up to its talent level. Um, They haven't gotten enough takeaways. They haven't got enough stops. Um, And they've had guys there that are talented. Taiwan Mullen, in that 2020 season was an all American. He missed yeah. most of last year with a foot injury. Um, I don't think he's played poorly necessarily this year, but he hasn't played like an all American, uh, anything close to it. Jalen Williams was a, a starter last year. He's been a, around the program for a number of years. Another cornerback who hasn't played well this season. It, it's just been a mix of things. Obviously they lost Micah McFadden, uh, last year, and he was so important to this team. Um, they've had guys, I thought, that have filled in about as well as you could ask uh, for him this season. But overall, as a unit, they've underperformed with very few exceptions, and the result has been just a, some really ugly games in second halves where IU is – just getting pummeled they're not able to stop people and they're the nebraska game i want to say in the fourth quarter they had minus five yards uh Mm. and then nebraska scored like two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to ice it and just been some really frustrating performances late in games because of the way iu is kind of choosing to play right now so are there any players any units any sort of that on the defensive side of the football who that have been a bright spot for this team? Well, I would have to start with Deshaun McCullough, who freshman has come in. He's the highest rated recruit ever to come to Indiana. Uh, he's hmm. a, he was a top 150 guy, um, which IU just doesn't get. <laughs> um, and so I think he was ranked 80th maybe in the nation last year. Yeah. I have it, uh, have it up here. 24 seven composite. He was the number 75 player in the country. Yeah. And, his at the time his father was the running backs coach and there we yeah, go and that i mean that's that's why we <laughs> respectfully no, but yeah, there we go yeah that's why we got him and but his father went to Notre Dame and we all just kind of assumed he was going to follow he said he's he's here he he committed to IU because of what Tom Allen stood for and he's he was sticking around and he's been 
incredible. Um, it was more early in the season that he played really well. Defenses had kind of schemed for him a little bit more, but he can line up anywhere from linebacker to kind of edge rusher to on the defensive line itself to, um, I mean, in high school, he played safety. He hasn't really done that much with Indiana, but um, he can line up all over the place. He's been a lot of fun and probably the biggest bright spot of the season uh, has been Deshaun McCullough. Um, So he's going to be all over the place on Saturday, just in terms of lining up. Uh, I mentioned Tywin Mullen. Aaron Casey's the other one. He's the guy that has stepped in for Micah McFadden um, as a linebacker. He leads a team in tackles, uh, a senior who uh, he's going to be all over the place and in the backfield a lot. Nine tackles for loss leads the team. Um, He's been great. And when him and Cam Jones were healthy, they were pretty good, uh, a pretty good unit. But Again, Cam Jones would be the guy I would name. He, I mean, if I'm talking bright spots, it's actually probably him. But again, he's not going to be around. So Deshaun McCullough, Aaron Casey are two uh, two of the names that uh, are going to stand out. Both those guys are linebackers. The linebacking core hasn't been bad. Uh, the defensive line has been bad, and the secondary has underperformed. So that's largely been the problem is everything around them. But those two guys are, are probably going to make some plays on Saturday once or twice in between the – the touchdown she'll be scoring. <laughs> oh, you sound very optimistic about I'm this. Not so, at all. <laughs> so let, let's let's start looking at you know predictions, impact players, stuff like that. And I want to start by you've alluded to a couple of them, but who do you think are the players who you know we're sitting here and it's you know twenty four to twenty Indiana. They just picked off Sean Clifford or Drew Aller, whoever, with you know twenty seconds left, and they're taking a knee, and then they're going to celebrate a win. Who are the players that you think would be the deciding factor in this game if things are to go Indiana's way? I mean, earnestly, Connor Bazelak. If he when he's played well, IU has been good. Uh, again, that's kind of making assumptions that he's going to be the one playing. He's had some really good performances and. Um, he's played well at times against like he played really well in the first half against Michigan. Um, he played well in the second half against Cincinnati, two of the better teams Indiana's played this season. Um, I mean, he was all right against Maryland. He he's had his moments. It's just kind of stringing that together and keeping him upright long enough for that to be a thing. So Connor Bazak has that ability. If IU is going to pull this off somehow, I would imagine he's had a pretty big game. Um, one name you mentioned that uh, earlier when talking about rushing is uh, Jalen Lucas, who another yeah. true freshman. Uh, the recruiting class Tom Allen brought in last year is the highest rated recruiting class IU's had. It was a top 25 recruiting class. Um and Deshaun McCullough, I mentioned, he was one of them. Jalen Lucas is a true freshman. People have been begging him or begging Tom Allen to play him more. When you mentioned him being the leading rusher in a number of games, um, the 39 yards against Nebraska, I would have to look. I think he had like a 35-yard run. He only mm. had three carries for 39 yards. And um, so most of those came on one carry. The same against Michigan. 45 yards. Again, I think he had a 30 yard run 
and uh, he's explosive. He's one of those players that you just want to get him the ball in space. Um, I could see him being a factor if IU has spent the last, you know, two weeks with the bye week trying to figure out how to get him on the field more and use him more. Uh, he would be somebody. Um, I mean, offensively, outside of those two, it's really a crapshoot, as I was kind of mentioning earlier. I, I yeah. wouldn't even really be able to put a finger on someone who else, uh, someone else who would be able to step up. Um, defensively, again, we have guys who in that secondary, Taiwan Mullen, Devon Matthews has been around for quite a while. Um, he's made some big plays throughout uh, the year. He has an interception. Noah Pierre played cornerback last year. He moved to it's a safety position it's a it's the husky position which is this hybrid safety linebacker that tom allen uses uh he would probably be the one making some plays as well in the secondary um i only say that because you mentioned if he's throwing an interception it's probably one of those guys in um it it's not going to be really anybody on the defensive line i used struggled mightily there really since tom allen took over uh, it could be a couple guys I mentioned as linebackers, Aaron Casey. Um, but yeah, it would probably be somebody in that secondary if they can find their footing finally after a bye week and um, play like the at the talent level they had. I earnestly thought coming into the season that they could be one of the best secondaries in the Big Ten. And they've just been, I'm not a smart enough football person to, to break down why exactly they've been bad. Uh, but I know some of it has been coverage things, but some of it has been just, um, blown coverages and, and things like that, getting beat one-on-one and, um, some really kind of boneheaded pass interference penalties and things like that, that have really plagued them. So if IU is pulling off this upset, I think a lot of it comes from the defense kind of getting its act together and figuring some things out okay. and realizing they're a talented group. Um, which probably starts with that secondary and and guys like Taiwan Mullen and Jalen Williams. So let's play a quick game of fill in the blank before we start, before we both give our predictions. And we'll start uh, with Indiana wins this game if blank. If the offense can find rhythm um, would be the best way I would mm-hmm. put it. Uh, there's moments in that Nebraska game, for example, where they had three straight drives against Nebraska where they were in rhythm and, this tempo was working and it looked like we were going to run away with the game. So if the offense can find a rhythm, uh, I think IU could potentially come away with a victory just because it's so overwhelming, I guess might be the way to to phrase it. Whenever yeah. the, it does work, the defense just gets knocked on its heels. And I mean, the way, the way I is going to do it is they're going to line up. They're going to put their 11 guys out there. They're going to run a play and then immediately race to the line. And a lot of times teams will do that, and then they'll kind of turn and look to the sideline for a play. They're not going to turn to look to the sideline. They're just going to immediately snap the ball. And if it's working, it just catches defenses like off guard, and it 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 leads to yeah. a couple big plays. You can't substitute. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, and that's a big thing is that they don't want to – substitute that's why Jalen Lucas like I mentioned hasn't been able to get on the field because they don't like his uh, pass blocking and so there's a very specific set of plays you can call if your running back can't pass block so um, 
it's if IU wins, I would imagine it's because their offense got in a rhythm and stayed in a rhythm for a lot of the game and probably um, were able to string together a number of drives in a row that that looked good and ended in scores. And then the other side of this, which is Penn State wins this game if blank. They can get to the quarterback, and it's not going to take a lot. Um, if you just have a an adequate pass rush, and I mean, you guys, with as much as you guys blitz, you're going to get to the quarterback a lot. So if mm-hmm. you can just get to the quarterback and um, create any kind of pressure in the backfield, like I said earlier, Bazelak really struggles. And the alternative to that is a quarterback who's never played before, which I imagine is going to be equally overwhelming. So if Penn State can generate any kind of pass rush, then immediately IU takes a step backwards in terms of its production offensively. They take multiple steps backwards in terms of production offensively. So you look at Penn State and Indiana's recent history in football. Indiana won in 2013, uh, which, as listeners of the pod know, is the only Big Ten road game I have ever attended and is the number one reason why I don't go to Penn State Big Ten road games. Since then, uh, Penn State gross win in Bloomington, uh, a 2015 win for Penn State in State College. 2016, a 45-31 Penn State win where Penn's, it was not as close to the finals were indicated before 2017. 45-14 Penn State just raced out to that quick lead and, you know, weird game state after that. Close one in 2018, close one in 2019 where Penn State won both. Obviously that uh, Razor's Edge game in 2020 that kind of spurned that Indiana run. And then last year, Penn State won 24 to nothing in Happy Valley. And then looking at this game, Penn State enters as a 14-point favorite. Bill Connolly's uh, SP Plus has Penn State by 18, 36 to 18. Uh, The total in this game is 49. Jacob, I throw all that stuff out at you, and I ask for a prediction. What do you think about that 14 number? What do you think is going to happen in this game? And what do you think the final score is going to be? I mean, unfortunately, this is probably going to be an ug- another ugly game in this <laughs> in this rivalry. Uh, this has not been an aesthetically pleasing game throughout the years, uh, with a few exceptions. But uh, I was just trying to look. I was at, it would have had to have been the game in 2011, 16-10 uh, Penn State win at uh, in Bloomington, I think was the last time I was at a Penn State-Indiana game. Uh, not quite punt week, but... Um, yeah, something close to it. Uh, so, uh, the 14 feels maybe even generous to Indiana. Uh, I, the 36, 18 predicted score that Bill Connolly has is I think very generous to Indiana's offense. Um, I would say it's going to be something more like 28, 10, um, or maybe 31, 10, um, Penn State in this one. Uh, it's not going to be a pretty game for Indiana. I think it's going to be a pretty comfortable win for Penn State. I just don't think um, IU offensively, with the way you guys uh, bring pressure and the way Indiana can't block, I, that's just going to be a, a horrible mixture for Indiana. And I just can't really see the offense really getting going for barring something drastic changing during that bye week. Yeah. I can't see IU's offense really getting going on the day. Yeah. Uh, so before I give uh, my prediction, I'm just going to uh, read these quotes from uh, Dustin to 
Dustin DePirac of the Indianapolis Star covers IU football. Uh, he said, asked Allen if there was a quarterback competition this week or if there was a determination made after the bye of who the starter would be. Said a collective decision was made, but he wouldn't say anything more than that. Uh, and then Allen asked if there's some gamesmanship going on between he and Franklin with neither naming a quarterback and said there could be. Uh, but I mentioned that to basically say that it seems to me just by reading that, that Indiana's best bet in this game is to catch Penn State off guard. And I say that in a few different ways. There is obviously who they're going to have at quarterback. There is the tempo with which they are going to play. There is hoping that their defense is able to get Penn State's offense off the field another time or two. You know, uh, it's a thing that every Penn State fan is afraid of, but Penn State after losses in recent years uh, haven't always been great. Hopefully they exercise some of those demons with the game against Minnesota two weeks ago, but we'll have to wait and see. I say all that to say this. While we were doing this pod, I went through Indiana's drive chart against Rutgers. I'm just going to read off the number of plays. <laughs> First drive, touchdown, 11 plays. Second drive, punt, 8 plays. Other than that, they had... One drive at the very end of the game that ended in points. It was four plays, three plays, six plays, three plays, three plays, three plays, three plays, five plays with a missed field goal, two plays with a pick six, three plays, and then that eight play drive at the end of the game with a field goal. So the thing that Jacob was talking about with Indiana going for a rhythm and a tempo, I think they need... Penn State's like thing they need to be concerned about here is that Indiana gets into that rhythm and that tempo early in the game, and it gives them a bit of a lift so that as the game goes on, you know, I'm not necessarily saying build up a cushion, but I'm saying you just give yourself that little bit of confidence. So let's say you go ahead 10-3 after the first quarter. Let's say it's uh, 13-7 to at halftime or something like that. And you're making it so you got into that rhythm after a bye week. I think that's something that can be really important for Indiana. But like you've mentioned, Jacob, I think Penn State is going to play with the intent of knocking them out of any sort of rhythm right away. I wouldn't be surprised if Penn State gets gashed for a big play or two, but with a potentially backup quarterback in, with Indiana's offensive line struggles, with a pass uh pass catching core where they're not sure who's going to be the guy after camper got hurt i think penn state is penn state and manny diaz are going to bring as much pressure as they possibly can to try and make this one really difficult for indiana's offense on the other side of the football you know penn state can just do some of the stuff that has worked if katron allen can uh pick up the hard-fought yards if nick singleton uh can break a big one or two and Sean Clifford or Drew Auer, whoever it's going to be can pick up some yards in the passing game. I like, I'm just going to feel really good about this. If I want to give a prediction, I think something in the ballpark of 28 to 14 sounds about right. I wouldn't be surprised if the way Indiana plays and how Penn state can be liable to giving up a big play catches Penn state off guard, get comes back to bite Penn state a time or two, but I think Penn State wins this game. I think it wins this game in a way that is more comfortable than you might expect out of a Penn State-Indiana game, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a comfortable walk to a win. So 
Uh, Jake, I'm not going to lie. Even though I think Penn State wins, I am not looking forward to this game because I hate when Penn State plays Indiana. If it follows the same kind of pattern of previous IU games, it probably will be not fun around halftime, and we may be in the game, but I promise you, as long the longer the game goes on, the more pressure you're going to feel comfortable sending, and the worse it's going to look for Indiana, and you're going to end up yeah. by the fourth quarter just kind of relaxed and, and enjoying a, a victory on the road in, in the Big Ten, because, I mean, that's what, that's what happened in the Michigan game, and that's what's happened a number of times in the Nebraska game. I mean, that's a deceiving... 35 21 scoreline and it's just, it's just kind of been the maryland game's the only one that's kind of bucked that trend the rutgers game is another deceiving scoreline because like you said we scored very late in the game um so it, it's just kind of been that trend where it's kind of hairy early on iu for whatever reason their first drive where they can script it they do really well and then are just awful after that so we might score early and kind of be ahead but the longer the game goes on the more in control Penn State's going to end up being and but in the more the the defense will adjust and like I said feel comfortable bringing more and more pressure and it's it usually ends with a competition to see who can get to the quarterback first well candidly I hope Penn State gets to the quarterback (laughs) as much as humanly possible but we will see Jacob let the people know where they can find you yeah, if you want to keep up with uh, IU at all, uh, Locked On Hoosiers is uh, available daily during the week, just at LO underscore Hoosiers on on Twitter. But uh, more likely, you probably don't want to hear about IU, so you can just follow me on Twitter at Jacob Rude. Well, listen, basketball season's coming around, and we're always uh, always always fun to see the goings-on in the world of Mike Woodson, especially if you are a uh, college basketball and NBA fan. But neither here nor there. Thank you very much to Jacob for joining this edition of the podcast, and thank you to all of you for listening to this edition of the podcast. Please make sure you're subscribing wherever you go to get your podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts, if you use Spotify, whatever, leave us a five-star review. Head into the comments on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a really nice review down there. If you use YouTube, be nice in the YouTube comment sections. We should be nicer to one another just as a general thing. Thank. Make sure you're following us on our Twitter account at RLR blog. And thank you again to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring this podcast. Again, use the ro- promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order. One last time, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of the podcast. I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.